Good evening, everybody. Brian Newber here from GoldenBlack.com. Live in someone else's car this time, driving up I-65 on my way back from Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis following Purdue's 69-61 win over Davidson at the Indy Classic. Um, this is your Golden Black Radio Express post-game podcast. It is brought to you by our friends at Fox Purdue Bookstores, uh, the Sand Valley Golf Resort, AcrePro.com, TNW Design and Build, the Whitaker Inn, and the East End Grill and Ripple and Company. So Purdue wins 69-61, uh, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, not a particularly aesthetically pleasing affair. Um, this was indeed a classic if you like missed three-pointers uh, because both teams missed dozens of them. And uh, Purdue was 3 of 25, which is the, the first thing I'll talk about here about this game that, you know, I, I, I don't know if this is a blip. I don't know if this is, you know, an existential problem for Purdue here. Um, and I say that in the context of the fact that I'm talking about problems for a team that's 11-0 and ranked number one in the country. So please take all of this with a grain of salt. But, you know, Purdue has this mix going on here where you've got arguably the best player in the country in Zach Eady. Uh, clearly the most difficult physical matchup. Clearly the player who requires the most attention from opposing defenses. And there are going to be games where you just have to shoot people out of this. And, you know, Purdue's had a couple of a couple of games here where they've had you know golden opportunities left and right from three-point range. Um, and things have gotten dicey, and they just haven't made enough of them. Florida State was a good example. Uh, Nebraska was a great example. Davidson was the best example, uh, where Purdue just didn't shoot well enough for these games to not be as difficult as they were. Uh, it's probably a convoluted sentence I just pulled off there, but um, you know, at, just kind of taking these last two games, Purdue and just makes two or three more threes, three or four more threes, whatever it might be, if they just shoot below average instead of well below average, you know, these things turn out very differently. You have to survive overtime at Nebraska. Uh, You kind of get pushed to your brink here. Uh, This was a very close game with a few minutes to go against Davidson, and neither of those things would have been true if Purdue had just shot badly from three instead of woefully from three. Uh, I guess that's how we'll put it. And that's... You know, something time's going to tell whether or not this is just sort of a sort of a funk uh, here lately, or it's just sort of what Purdue is, and they're just going to have to they're just going to have to find ways to win anyway. Um, I choose to believe it's not what Purdue is uh, because I've covered all these guys in recruiting, and I've covered all these guys at Purdue, and I know Fletcher Lawyer is an elite shooter coming out of the high school ranks. I know Brandon Newman can really shoot. I know Caleb First can really shoot. I know Ethan Morton showed last year he can really shoot. Uh, Purdue just collectively is not shooting great. And um, once that turns around, if that turns around, then Purdue is, you know, I, I'm certainly not going to use the term unbeatable, but I don't know what the, I don't know what the red flag is. Uh, because right now, these last couple of games, Purdue has shown its floor, and the floor is not pretty. And when there's that thing lurking, like the turnovers with last year's team, when on any given night you run the risk of going 3 of 25 from 3, that happens on the wrong night against the wrong opponent at the wrong time, all of a sudden, you know, suddenly that adversely affects your chance to win a Big Ten championship. Suddenly it shows up on the wrong night in the postseason and, you know, things don't go as you wanted them to go. Um, But that's a long way down the line. Purdue just has to get more consistent shooting the ball. Purdue just has to be better shooting the ball. And they're certainly built to do it. 
And that that's what's got to be maddening about this. Is there no, there's no real rhyme or reason to this. Purdue's getting great shots. They're taking great shots. It's not like they're just jacking it out there and missing low percentage shots. They have good shooters taking good shots, and the shots just aren't going in. Um, there have been a number of opportunities here where Purdue gets a bunch of good looks to start a game, and you could just, if you just make four or five of them, you know, in the before that first media timeout. I know that's a lot to ask, but it's perfectly reasonable to expect every now and then. Um, if that happens, all of a sudden you're playing with a big lead to start the game, and you know, you have some margin for error, and all of a sudden uh, you're really difficult to overcome. Um, but that's not been Purdue's reality yet. Uh, for Purdue to be as good as it can be the rest of the season, and again, the absurdity of me saying that about a team that's number one in the country is very real. But for Purdue to be as good as it can be, they've got to shoot the ball better uh, than they're shooting it. Um, you know, Purdue left some points at the foul line the last two games. Uh, to their credit, they've made all the free throws that mattered at the end of those games. Uh, but nevertheless, there have been some points left at the foul line. Um, but to Purdue's credit, Purdue just keeps, you know, keeps on winning, uh, regardless of what happens uh, for the first however many minutes of games. Uh, Purdue just keeps winning, and that is directly attributable to uh, Zach Eady. Obviously, he is arguably the best player in the country. I, I don't know who's better, uh, if someone is better. Uh, he's got to be the most consistent player in the country. Uh, I don't know who'd be more consistent because I'm not sure you can be more consistent. And I think the co- the consistency and the constants and just the, the steadiness he's provided this team every single time they've played uh, has been the biggest driving force to produce success here this season. He's setting great tones for this entire team. He is He is giving them a baseline every single game out. Even if he can't get the ball within Purdue's offense, like, you know, Purdue would like to be able to get him the ball, it doesn't matter. He just goes and gets it himself off the glass, and he's just, he's really willing his team uh, to some things here, too, and really taking a toll on opponents, too. Uh, I think just going against him for 40 minutes, this is nothing new, but, I mean, now that he's playing 30-plus minutes a game, having to deal with that that long, uh, and then Purdue having these three dudes next to him and Caleb first, Mason Gillis and Trey Kaufman-Ren who play really hard and um, it's just got to wear you out. It, it's just it's just got to wear on you. And, you know, I, I, I think Zach Eadie's hidden productivity showed up tonight when, you know, Purdue was struggling to uh, score and Zach Eadie ushered them into the bonus with all the contact he was drawing. And, you know, Purdue scores a bunch of points off one-on-ones, basically getting fouled on rebounds. Purdue doesn't have to run offense. They just have to walk down the floor and shoot free throws. Uh, that, that's all directly tied to Zach Eady, uh, guys, because of the number of fouls he draws, um, you know, and so on and so forth. It just, there are so many layers to his productivity and his value to this pretty team. It's, I could talk for an hour. Uh, you wouldn't want me to do that, um, but I could talk for an hour. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned those forwards all next to Zach Eady. I think that where this game turned uh, sort of in Purdue's favor was to start the second half, and it was directly attributable to Caleb first. You know, he was uh, he had one of those sort of over-caffeinated runs of basketball there to start the half and just really made things happen with his energy and just making himself available at the rim and just crashing the glass and just being all over the place. And, you know, he's one of those – a couple of guys Purdue has on this team that can just change a game with – just hustle plays. You know, Braden Smith is one. Mason Gillis has always been one. 
you know, I always said last year, Mason Gillis won Purdue games just, just by just by chasing offensive rebounds every now and then and making something happen. And that's exactly what Caleb first did to start this half. He changed the game. Um, he sort of just kind of kind of hustled his way into productivity, ended up scoring 10 points out of Purdue's first 11, I think. Um, and they were all just, you know, kind of garbage points, sort of just being available at the rim and getting fouled and going to the foul line and, you know, stuff like that. That's part of the completeness of this Purdue team, of this Purdue team. And part of the reason why, you know, it's, they're really hard to beat. And I, I think that's a really high compliment of any team. I think Zach Eadie's the face of it. I think just he's, he's a hurdle that nobody's been able to overcome yet this season. But also, I just think Purdue plays hard enough and they're, they're solid enough on defense, you know, things like that, that Purdue's just, just hard to beat. They're, they're not beating themselves and they're just the magnitude of their matchups, the, the baseline advantage they have every game on the glass um, where they can just bludgeon people sometimes. I know there have been games like Nebraska where things weren't as, as well, I, I'm sorry, it was Minnesota. It was I think it was Minnesota. Anyway, there have been games where the, the rebounding advantage hasn't been as acute, but it's still been an advantage. And, you know, every time the ball goes up for Purdue, it's still a scoring opportunity, even if it's going to miss, because Zach Eadie's standing right there and there's nothing anybody can do about it. You know, first and Mason Gillis and Trey Kaufman Renner all down there, and um, Zach Eadie's occupying a ton of space. And, you know, Purdue just has these very real advantages that are going to be there every single game this season, most likely, barring anyone getting hurt or anything like that. Uh, and that's what's made this Purdue team really hard to beat so far. Um, and will continue to make them really hard to beat the rest of the season. They've got to make more threes, though. In order to strengthen that firewall they're going to have, you know, as, as, as the Big Ten season resumes here in a couple weeks, they got to make more threes. Uh, you know, you, you can't be a bad shooting team around Zach Eady. And I'm, I'm, it's probably a mouthful to call them a bad shooting team at this point. Um, but they haven't proven they're a very good one yet either. And I think... Um, I think they have to to be as good as they can be. That said, once again, I will remind you, I'm talking about upside potential for a team that's 11-0 and ranked number one in the country. So so that's what I got from uh, Gainbridge Fieldhouse here in Indianapolis um, from the Indy Classic. Please go to goldenblack.com, read Mike Carmen's game story. Welcome Mike Carmen to the goldenblack.com family. Um, so that's what... That's what I got. Uh, this has been your Golden Black Radio Express post-game podcast. It is brought to you by our friends at Fallout's Purdue Bookstores, uh, the Sand Valley Golf Resort, um, AcrePro.com, TNW Design and Build, the Whitaker Inn, and the East End Grill and Ripple and Company. So I will talk to you guys all again after Purdue plays, uh, I believe, New Orleans. So thanks a lot, everybody. Take care. Bye.